When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Whiskey, Jazz, and Leadership Podcast. Subscribe now so you don't miss a drop of straight talk you can't get anywhere else. We discuss the whiskeys to drink, music to listen to, and what it really takes to be an effective leader. I'm your host, Galen Bingham, the Leadership Strategist. Tonight's guest, co-founder and chief visionary officer of Speak House, Shahara Downing. Hey, what you drinking? Okay, so we are at this again, and this time I've, I've got a, a I've got a real treat for you because there are people who you meet, and you can tell off the bat that they are brilliant, and that they are the center of every conversation. You can tell that. Uh, and then there are some people that uh, I can only describe as being an experience. And this is going to be an experience uh, because I met this guest uh, actually a couple of times. We, we did some online things together and I couldn't tell if she was like a facilitator, if she was like the primary. I, I couldn't. T- I just knew that her presence was all over the program. And then I had an opportunity to do something live with her and I was actually following her. You know, she did she did like the event one day and then I was going to do the event the second day. And, you know, I, I tend not to get nervous. That's that's one of the things that I, I don't know if that's a if that's a benefit or a curse, but I just tend not to get nervous. But when she came that first day, I was like, oh, my God, I got to I got to reevaluate <laughs> my plan for day two because that bar i mean i'm I'm gonna i'm gonna do my thing but that bar was at a level that i wasn't expecting it to be at for 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 day one and so with that i i said shahara uh, i need to have you on whiskey jazz and leadership so here we are welcome welcome to whiskey jazz and leadership how you doing Hey, I'm doing great. I mean, how can I not feel great in the moment of getting an introduction like that? You know what I'm saying? Like, I will join any podcast if they're going to introduce me in that way. Just gas me up, Galen. (laughs) It doesn't take much. I'm just telling the truth. I'm just telling the truth. Well, you know, know, this is going to be, uh, I think, uh, a, a true experience for my listeners because I've got a lot of questions that I've already I've already started uh, asking, uh, but my listeners know that uh, the conversation really doesn't begin until I ask this question. So here here we go. We're gonna kick this thing off. Okay. So what you so so what you drinking? Crown Royal on ice, <laughs> and you know, and the only reason why I'm is on ice right now is because it's two twelve p.m. and I try to act like I got a little decorum. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, it would just be Crown Royal Neat. Ah, uh, 
crown royal on IC, that, that's some real stuff. I mean, that's like unpretentious. Just get right to the point and get to where we need to get to. And, you know, I, I give a lot of thought as to the whiskeys that, that I pull into my conversation. And so for this one, I thought, okay, so Shahara is, she, she's like a regular go-to exceptional every time where you don't want to, you don't want to go left. You don't want to go right. You just want to be right where you need to be. And so for me, the more I thought about the words that were used to describe you, I, I reached for Uncle Nearest. Oh, Uncle Nearest is is my is my go to. It's center of the plate. It's you can't go left. You can't go right. When you want to have a good experience, there is no other place for me to go to but Uncle Nearest. And I, I then I had a, this, another decision to make because uh, I, I've got Uncle Nearest 1884, which is their which is their low proof, very tasty. Uh, I've got uh, 18. 56 which is 100 proof i mean it's just like when you need to get it done uh you can find it in the store so you need to replenish it uh you know you don't have a problem with that i've also got the 1820 which is overproof it's it's hard to find and so i've only got like an inch and a half of that left because uh, i'm just i'm nervous about finishing that off when I don't know where I'm going to get uh, another one. And then I've got the Uncle Nearest Master Blends collection, which you can only get if you go to the distillery. And that bottle, uh, actually, I've got two of those bottles. And both of those are signed by Victoria Butler, who is the master blender, the great, great, I don't even know how many greats, but great, great granddaughter, I believe, of... Ernest Green, who is Uncle Nearest himself, and I am I am holding out. Mm -hmm. I'm holding out hope that I can get Victoria Butler and or Fawn Weaver on this podcast. We've come close a couple of times, so Victoria, I'm still I'm still I'm still looking for you, sweetheart. You better tag her. Just go down there and find her. Close mouth, don't be fed. Send her a personal invitation. Find her phone number, and you just call her. You know, we've come really, really close a couple of times. And I'm holding out hope that when I crack that open, it will be to toast with Victoria Butler. But today I decided to go with the 1856 because it's it's hunt proof. You can't go left. You can't go right. It gets it done every time and you can find it in stores. So I've, I've already got a backup um, and I can find a backup if I need to. So I'm just going to I'm going to open this bad boy. Go ahead and do it. And, you know, that's the one that when I'm showing up to someone's house for either a gathering, you know, that's something that I like to gift just because of the backstory. Now, I'm not getting extra fancy like, you know, with 1864, <laughs> 26, 60, 76 and, and all of that. But if I see it at the liquor store, I'm picking it up. There you and go. I'm gonna, I'm gonna gift it to someone and be able to, you know, share the story of it. And I think, you know, I'm, you know, buy black. I'm, I support black owned. That's just what I do. So it's nice to have such a, a beautiful quality um, 
whiskey that also is rich in in history you know and to see it come to life it, you know for me it's just it's a real proud moment and you know so i always buy that and gift it you know but what's always sitting at my bar like my everyday not that i drink crown every day but what's sitting available every day is always going to be some crown just it's straight always up an op- always an option let me open it let me open this bad boy and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I see. It. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna show you. I got my uncle nearest glass. Yes. So I'm gonna pour. Hold, 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 hold. Mm. And uh, I'm going to enjoy this experience while I listen to you share a little bit about your background, who you are, to give my listeners just, just an inkling as to why I am incredibly, incredibly excited about this conversation? Mm, Backgrounds. Well, I definitely, you know, I'm from Houston, Texas, but I've lived a little bit of everywhere and I've had the pleasure of spending a lot of time with my parents since I've been back home in Houston. And my mother and my father are probably some of the most charismatic never met a stranger type folks. And so now that I've had the privilege of just being with them on a day-to-day basis, I've been able to see that I am the exact product of them. Their ability to connect with people, the the impressions that they leave on people, the carefree lightness of living that they exude on a day-to-day basis, the exuberance and, and vigor that they carry with them every day. Like they ain't got no worries. I ain't got no worries, as the great philosopher Lil Wayne has said. And I know I get it from them. And so as, as I describe them, you know, I, I honor them for gifting me with the spirit that is what people have come to know me for. But it definitely comes from my parents. And I am so grateful that their genes mixed well for me to uh, be the person that I am. And that isn't about professional, uh, you know, but that's me as to what my spirit leads with. And And it's definitely been led by them. And so I'm grateful for them. My dad just turned 80. In April, my mom is getting ready to turn 70 uh, next month in September. And so for me to have a 70-year-old and an 80-year-old who still be out with me, I'll be taking them to the spots, okay? I ain't talking about just like old people's spots. I'm talking about like ratchetness is happening sometimes. And they sit and have a good time. And then when we leave, they say, yeah, that was fun. I feel like I had, you know, I have fun just watching them. So I, I'm forever grateful. So I, I share that because I'm, I love my parents dearly and they're just databomb.com. And if you were to ever meet them and then meet me, it makes sense. Mm, gotcha. You know, one of the things that I, I have been impressed with uh, every time I have either interacted with you or I've seen you do your thing is just this confidence and assuredness in who you are. And I don't know if that's something that you have always had, if it's something that you've grown into, uh, but any knowledge I have about who Galen Bingham is, I just figured that I just figured that bad boy out 30 minutes ago. You seem to have just this, uh, I don't want to say unapologetic, although that word fits, uh, but this confidence in who you are and your space on this planet, 
Where does that come from? I suspect you're going to say it, can, it comes from your parents, but have you always had it or is that something that you've grown into? Um, I definitely can remember a flip that switched probably in elementary school where I became aware of myself. Like I remember my childhood. I remember, you know, like, yeah, I just remember my childhood, but it was in fifth grade that I feel like there was a switch in how I felt myself, that I felt an influence there. There was something else that I recognized it was like a maturity point where I went from just being a child to being a human, to being present. And so, and that happened in fifth grade. And I'm I'm not like, I don't know what it was, but I'm going to tell you, you know, I'm going to tell you what I think it was. Okay. And all my ladies may be able to go back to this and fellas, y'all may be able to identify with this as well. But fifth grade, I became popular. And I don't know what it was. I didn't get no new Jordans. I don't know what it was. But all of a sudden, Shahar started getting attention. I started to feel seen. And and not just my family supported me in so many different ways. That's a whole nother story. But fifth grade, I felt seen. I felt like people were taking notice. And I think maybe I was just doing what I was doing naturally. But then when I saw that what I do naturally captures people's attention it made me more aware of what I was doing naturally. And then in fifth grade, I think that's where I began like my journey as, as a speaker and as a communicator. I always give this story about like how I started off professionally, Galen, and, and it started in fifth grade too, where at my school, they had this thing called the Maywood Mediators. And there were selected students to participate in conflict management strategies and tactics. They trained us. They gave us a clipboard so that we can follow the steps. They put this green sash across our chest and they sent us out into the playground for us to diffuse beef, right? Now, I went to an all-Black school. Kids was like, you hit me, I'm hitting you back, period. And here I am trying to infuse uh, conflict management. <laughs> Them little kids was looking at me like, hey, what? no, that ain't, what, that ain't how we handle beef on the streets, on the playground streets, right? So, but I find that significant because outside of my home, there were other people who affirmed my voice, who equipped me with tools and resources in, in order to, you know, allow me to go out and say, nah, I can get in between. I can get in y'all's business because I am trained, <laughs> you know, like I can come in here and diffuse this beef. And I think that there's a powerful thing that happens in our youth when we are affirmed by adults that our voice actually matters. And that in conjunction with other things that were happening in fifth grade, I think that that was what brought me to a space of self-appreciation and self-awareness. I appreciated that people took notice of who I was, but then I became aware of, okay, well, what are those things that's, that's, uh, that they're taking notice of? And in a combination of those, you start to understand your value or your worth or what makes you different or, you know, what you're good at. So combination of all of those things, fifth grade, I think that that's where it started. And, uh, you know, yeah, that's that, but that's why it's so important to affirm youth so early and empower them, especially in the way that they can vocalize themselves because they ain't got no money. They can't leverage or influence people with no coins. So what else do they have? They have their voice. How do they articulate their ideas and their thoughts and their feelings and their sentiments? And if you disempower them, 
they'll forever feel disempowered, no matter how much money they got. Wow. Wow. And, th and then when they do get some money and they're still in that space of disempowerment, they start making stupid decisions mm -hmm. because money doesn't make you anything. It makes you more of who you already are in your essence. Uh, you know, there, there's one thing that I, I seem to be talking about a lot. And I just want to get your your take on this, because your story reminds me of this. I think I got this from Marcus Buckingham, who is like this this guru dude in this whole strengths leadership space. And he basically says that once you hit a certain age, whether it's 14, 15, 16, you're kind of done relative to who you are, the strengths that you have, the things that you enjoy, what you're what you're you know good at. And then from that point, wherever that point is, you start refining. Uh, but if you're at 14, if you're not, if you if you don't have a passion for for math and that kind of thinking, you're not probably not going to develop it. Right. You're going to find other ways to navigate around it as you get older, because at, at a certain point, you're kind of done and then you become you, you start uh, refining. And as I look back to the things that I do well today and I go back to when I was you know, 14, 15 years old. Yeah, I, I, I can see where that came from that 14 year old kid, you know, saying Easter speeches and and in, in church and, and um, speaking up in class and asking the, the, the teacher tough questions, that kind of I can I can see where where the signs of that uh, came from. What are your thoughts about that? That doesn't mean that you can't learn things. But you tend to gravitate towards those things that you enjoyed at a very young age. Your story seems to kind of parallel that. But what, what's your take on this idea of after a certain point, you just start refining who you are? Yeah, I think that is extremely accurate. I think that is definitely something that a, a whole lot of truth can lie in. However, to to fathom the idea that you're done in your teens, that's kind of depressing. You know, so I don't want to think about it that way. Like, oh my God, that sounds so dooming to know that like, as when you make it to 15, 16 years old, that's it. You know, you're just going to refine what it is that you got. But the fact that you said math, Galen, I ain't got nobody at math since 14, period. In fact, I think my math skills have regressed. Okay. Um, I'm using my fingers and my toes a whole lot more lately. But I definitely feel that, you know, we are gifted with something, special talent, special skills, special abilities. Um, and, and when I say special, I mean, every, you know, everybody has those special gifts, talents and abilities. Right. It, but everybody's are different. And whether or not they're cultivated early on could make the difference as to whether or not they are actually that they actually blossom in adulthood. And so, and then there are probably secondary types of talents and skills that you may not have realized you were all that good at at 14 because they weren't cultivated, but maybe you stumble upon them and then finally say to yourself, man, okay, I actually got a knack for this and it's time for me to be more proficient. But I think that there is a great power. And if you can become aware of it, of intentionality and how, how intentionality could help you refine or course correct maybe some of your insufficiencies like my math insufficiency if i was intentional enough about it i'm sure i could like get better at math but at this particular point i don't really care about being better at math you know 
I will manage. But I do think that there's power in intentionality. And if we are taught that intentionality is a tool for self-improvement, then I think that we can unlock or continue to maybe cultivate or refine certain skills that maybe weren't at our best in at 14 or 16. Uh, but generally, yeah, I think that may be right because who I am today is certainly very much of who I was when I was 14 and 18. I was class president. I was telling people what to do back then and I'm still telling people what to do now. So except for now, I'm, I'm, I'm equipped with more tools to really, you know, support people in a, in a, in a more genuine and loving way instead of just being bossy because I was bossy. <laughs> so this is just, this is reminding me of. OK, so we, we, we've been here for about 20 minutes now, so I, I feel comfortable in being able to talk about my daughter. So my, my daughter at a very, very young age found this unnatural knack and an aptitude for math. It was crazy. And I don't know where she got it from, but not only did she have this aptitude for math, she had this, she also paired it with this love for puzzles, solving puzzles. So for her, math was just one big puzzle. And I remember one time she was working on a math problem, I guess in the fourth grade or whatever. And she, she wasn't getting it. And it was just, it was frustrating her. And you know, dad, dad comes in because, you know, I, I don't want to see my baby struggle and we're getting close to dinner time. And I was like, OK, sweetheart, you know, you look, you you put in some work, uh, you know, proud of you. Let, let's go ahead and take a break for dinner and we can come back and attack this again. And she's like, no, dad, I am not stopping until I get this figured out. And that is a big part of who she is today. You know, today she's She's studying biochemistry and with a major in biology. And I'm like, okay, clearly, clearly evidence that my genes are recessive, right? Because <laughs> I can barely spell biochemistry, but, <laughs> and I can draw a parallel all the way back to that, that fourth grade experience at the dinner table. I just wonder, what would you say to your 14 year old self to encourage her that who she is at 14 is going to is going to work out right that that she's going to be in a good place because i'm sure you had some doubts um especially back then that uh folks are telling me i'm bossy and you know, i don't know how this is going to work out but i'm i'm just going to go with it but what would you say to your 14 year old self to encourage her to stay on that path well, you know, what's interesting is, is th those doubts, they evolve, they mature within us, right? I don't necessarily have the same doubts about certain things or certain specific things that I did when I was 14, but uh, I now have adult level doubts, right? And, and we constantly have to combat those. So some of the same advice that I would give my 14-year-old self is some of the advice that I'm now telling my adult doubts. And I would say that this ability to just like, I know it sounds so corny, but just do it and do it faster. Mm. Whatever it is that you said you want to do, do it faster, hurry up and get to it. Like you don't have to wait for this or wait for that. There, there's no right or sequential order to success. You just have to experiment, explore, execute, evaluate. Uh-oh, hitting with that alliteration. So 
Somebody go write that down, rewind and write that down because I don't remember what I just said. But, you know, explore soon, explore with a sense of urgency, you know, execute, get it done, see how you feel, examine how you feel about it, like move through that process and be extremely like devour that process like you ain't ate before and keep going for it. You know, that type of to to be ferocious in that type of way, um, I think, is what I would have told myself, because. There's a lot of iterations depending on your journey. There may be a lot of different iterations that you have to go through to realize your full potential or to actualize the person that you've envisioned for yourself. And I'm currently still going through those iterations. I have not yet become the person that I've envisioned for myself. And I just think to myself, man, this is a, this is an iteration of myself that I could have been at at 27 and I'm 37 now. You know, like th- this iteration, I believe the iteration of where I am currently, it, I really probably could have been at this iteration at 27 if I would have executed with more vigor and urgency back then. Um, so that's that's definitely what I would tell my 14-year-old self is devour everything that comes uh, in front of you. Like open up, receive it, process it, and move through it, Cre- create it, process it, get through it. And you'll find yourself iterating and evolving much at at the rate in which you dream, at the rate at which you desire. And I had a dream and I had a desire that I wasn't I wasn't eating enough for. So I think that's the challenge that I still have today. Am I doing enough? Am I eating enough? Am I experiencing enough? Am I iterating fast enough for the rate at which my desires grow? Hey, it's not too late. Hit that subscribe button so you're sure to catch the next episode. If you're really enjoying the vibe, leave us a review or become a VIP for guests and show exclusives. Cheers. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.